Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that has spent a lifetime of income on guitars and socks. He is the captain. For those about to rock, I salute you. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Hey, have you tried the meatloaf, Captain? Ha! Your mom's meatloaf. Try washing it down with some Swing State by Sibling Revelry Microbrewery. Garage grade, five out of five bottle caps. Swing Mm -hmm. State has a light malt body with citrusy hop character that leads to a dry, hoppy finish. I have a light malt body. And this week's beer was brought to us by these fine young characters. First up, we have Nicole in the very mysterious Parts Unknown. Next, let's say hi to Rosie in New South Wales, Australia. Hello, Rosie. Also in the surfing capital of the world... Is Australia the surfing capital of the world, Captain? Not really for sure, mate. Anyway, we have Amy in Brisbane, Australia. Next up, we have Gamma in Glasgow, United Kingdom. Uh Uh-huh. And also, we have Fanny in Iceland. And we have Daniel from Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. Daniel says, keep up the great work. I like your jib, and this show makes my workouts so much better. It's scientifically proven that working out affects the quality of Yoji. And last but not least, we have Ashley in South Dakota who says, I have been binging on this show so much. Ashley loves the tone of the show and the level of the detail, but she does have one problem with our show. The captain. She is running out of episodes. Uh-oh. Well, if you'd like to donate to the beer fund, go to truecrimegarage.com, click on the donate button. And if you are looking for more episodes, specifically our older episodes, they are available in the iTunes store and on our website as well. Yeah, my work is slowing down, so hopefully we get back in the garage real soon. Uh, some extra time in the garage to put out another bonus episode. That's enough of the business. Everybody gather around, grab a chair. Grab some meatloaf. Grab a beer, and let's talk some true crime.
This is episode two of the Kelsey Schelling case. Kelsey Schelling was 21 years old and eight weeks pregnant when she vanished on February 4th, 2013. She had her first doctor's visit of the pregnancy on that day, and she sent out pictures of the ultrasound that she received during that visit to her mother and to her boyfriend. Well, after the trip to the doctors and after a shift at work, Kelsey drove about two hours to Pueblo, Colorado to visit her boyfriend, mm-hmm. the father of her child, Dante Lucas. Kelsey's family then will report her missing to law enforcement. And that's when law enforcement reach out to Dante Lucas and they have a sit down and Dante does not deny seeing her that night. He, you know, there's no question that he saw her that night. Yeah. And then 10 days later, law enforcement are going to find Kelsey's car. And this is where we start to see that there's quite a bit of movement with Kelsey's vehicle that does not completely align with Dante's story. Yeah, we start seeing a lot of discrepancy in his accounts. And this will bring further into question the location of Kelsey Schelling. This makes it a lot different than a normal missing person case. She's two hours away from her home. She is now they find her car. We would assume that if she you know went missing on her own that we wouldn't find her vehicle. And so now they have to start viewing this not just as a missing person case, but a possible homicide. Yeah, this is where they start to suspect foul play is involved. And when they bring Dante in for questioning, his story starts to fall apart. At this point, he lawyers up and then he shuts down and the case starts to go cold. Yeah, the case goes cold, but it seems like with a lot of missing person cases, me being, you know, as far as true crime goes, I think one of my favorite, if there was a category... Right, my favorite category of true crime would probably be missing person. Mm-hmm. And I think with a lot of cases, like if you look at, if you study the Johnny Gosh case or if you study like uh, Mara Murray, with missing person cases, there always seems to be some weirdness. And yeah. this case, yeah, the case starts going cold, but the weirdness just begins. Yeah, this starts with a Facebook message. Okay, mm-hmm. this is a direct message to uh, Kelsey's mother, Laura. And this comes from a woman who says her name is Jenna McLean. This woman, she's asking to remain anonymous. So we we must assume this is a fake name that she's giving. Uh, But she says that she needs to remain anonymous because her own personal life is in danger. Uh, This is when Jenna McLean then decides to have a man take over the communication with Kelsey's mother, Laura. It makes you wonder, is this a lead or is this just some wackadoo? Well, he sends Laura a message, and this message says, Ma'am, please, your daughter is not dead. She will be home alive. This man then goes on to tell Laura that Dante had hired a man to kill Kelsey. Mm -hmm. And then this man decided that he didn't want to go through with it. And instead of killing Kelsey, he sold her into sex slavery. He says that the man had told Dante that he did, in fact, carry out the hit that he did in fact kill Kelsey. Mm-hmm. But what he did was he dug a fake grave, showed it to Dante. And, you know, I know this show is already, you know, it's already rated E for a good reason, right. but uh, this next part is a little difficult. Um, he also says that he, the man told Dante that an abortion was performed on Kelsey before she was killed. And that okay. he, the man had showed a video of this, abortion that was not obviously not willingly participated in by Kelsey. I was not ready for that. Yeah. I really wasn't ready to, to say that. So let me just get my head around this story. So far we have a lady that contacts Kelsey's mother. Yes. Through Facebook. 
because you know that's the best way to be personal these days, right? Mm-hmm. But anyways, well, they do have the Help Kelsey website, and then they the Help Kelsey Help Find Kelsey group on uh, Facebook. So probably that's why this happened. So a lady contacts her, mm-hmm. and then a guy takes over the conversation. She wants to stay anonymous, right? And this guy is coming forward, not saying that he put Kelsey into sex trafficking, right? But that he heard from another guy. He, yeah, he he knows of this situation. He knows this man that was hired by Dante to right. kill her. And 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 here's what seems a little fishy to me about the story. But then he says the guy couldn't kill Kelsey. So what they did was they performed an unwilling abortion on her. Well, he says he chose to sell her into sex slavery rather than to, to kill her. Right. Um, and maybe this was just a money thing. But, but right, then- right. So you get paid from Dante, which has no money, that comes from no money, pays him to kill this girl, and then he then doubles up by, oh, I'm not going to kill her. I'm actually going to sell her into sex trafficking. Yeah, and then Dante thinks that Kelsey's actually been killed because he's shown that video and he's shown a fake grave that this this man had dug. Right, so then why is this guy that didn't actually do the crime, why is he reaching out to Kelsey's parents? Well, he's saying that he knows where Kelsey is located. Um, that I believe he says that she had been sold into slavery and, and shipped to like the East coast. Mm-hmm. And he says he knows where she's being kept. And then at some point he might be able to help free her and return her home. Um, but of course to do this, he's going to need money to do so. Uh, he, of course. Yes. The Mr. Good Samaritan coming forth here. Um, he wants $50,000. Oh, uh, that's it to execute this plan and bring Kelsey home. Uh, he wants $25,000 of that up front. Um, and he's, he's saying that this money should be delivered to a man in Vancouver, Washington at a McDonald's restaurant of all, all places. Well, I'd like to deliver a giant punch to this guy's fat forehead. Well, I'll tell you what, this is another reason why I like Kelsey's family so much. They've worked so hard on this investigation and when they receive this new information, that this doesn't stumble them one bit. This this shows their strength and and how they carry on. Yeah, they obviously this is a this is a hoax, right? This this it it looks if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Mm-hmm. So what they're told the or a inf- rhinoceros. <laughs> what the information that they're given is that they are to meet at at this McDonald's restaurant in Vancouver, Washington, on a specific date and specific time. Right. And the person they're going to be looking for is a, nam- a man named Marcus. He's an African-American man, and he will be there, and he will be wearing a red ball cap. Mm-hmm. Um, so what Kelsey's family does is they get a news group involved in the situation. They actually reached out to the Vancouver Police Department first to kind of set up a sting. Right. For whatever reason, that fell through, and I believe that that was on Vancouver's end, not on Kelsey's family's end, that it had fallen through. So they get reach out to this news organization, and the news organization sets up shop at this McDonald's restaurant on that date at that time. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, man, there is an African-American man there wearing a red ball cap, Right. He's sitting at a at a booth by himself. He doesn't in a booth. He doesn't order anything. And this is when he's approached 
and he's starting to be questioned. And what, he, what time is this at again? It, it, look, it looked to me to be daytime. I don't know what time it was. Because, I mean, if this guy has the capability of ordering a McGriddle and he doesn't, lock him up. <laughs> well, well, th- the thing here is, this is where it gets even a little more strange, is the guy doesn't even fully deny the whole thing, what? right? He, okay. he, he tells, I don't think he's fully aware that he's being questioned by a news group. Right. I think that they have hidden cameras or whatever. So he says that they need to go out to the parking lot. This, I guess, is where he planned the exchange of money would take place. And once they're out there, he starts getting grilled. You know, um, we, we have a news guy come out of out of, out of the bushes right, right. and start saying, you know, who are you? Why are you doing this? Where's Kelsey? What do you know? Why are you trying to rip off this family for $50,000? And I think before he could get all of that out, you know, the man explains it, you know, why are you here? And this guy that's, let's say, quote unquote, named Marcus, he says, well, I'm here to pick up some money. Well, who are you here to pick up the money from? I don't know. I was just told to be here to pick up some money. Right. Do you know how much money you're here to pick up? Uh, no, not exactly. Uh, why are you here to pick up money? Do you have a girl? You know, and he, and, and he says something like he's been told that there was some exchange that happened at another time in another place. Right. And that he was sent by an unknown person to go to the McDonald's and pick up the money for this person and take it back to this person. I think where this ends up leading that they don't end up being able to trace this to another individual. Mm-hmm. And this person involved the, the man named Marcus at the McDonald's. He does seem a little clueless. It's, it might just be a, all a put on. Who knows? But right, right, right. But they don't really seem to have much to charge him with. They do investigate this a bit. Yeah, but logically speaking, right? Is this guy involved? I probably not. It's not that hard to if if you were going to transfer a large sum of money or pick up a large sum of money, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be that hard to go. And eh, I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay my buddy Marcus or pay this guy a friend of a friend of a friend or even on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. Hey, I just need you to pick up this money. Or pick up this package. I'm not even going to tell you what it is. And I'll pay you a hundred bucks. Where the investigation goes is they trace some emails that was sent to this guy that went to pick up the money. Mm -hmm. And they trace the emails back to Russia at some point. Which which does really kind of scare everybody because then they're thinking, well, maybe there is some truth to this sex slave uh, portion of the investigation that we're talking about. Um, what I think we have here is probably somebody that some, some real dirt bag that decides I'm going to extort money right. from a family that's hurting and I'm going to get, make a few bucks off of this. And he probably, it's probably somebody in the States that has figured out a way to, to send these emails around. And then it, then it looks like it's coming from Russia. Right. right. Basically what you're doing is you're reporting repointing your IP address. Correct. So it seems like it's coming from Russia, but it's actually, you know, coming from somewhere in Indiana. So some very scary information that, that really is just a big speed bump in this case and doesn't really go anywhere, but it kind of goes back to what you and I had talked about in the Beverly Potts disappearance Mm -hmm. where you have a guy that shows up and he's demanding a ransom. And you know, in these situations, Captain, you and I agree 100%. If you get in the middle of some kind of investigation, you try to extort money from a family that is in need, that a family that is hurting, that is looking for a loved one, right. you, the charges that, are, that should be brought up against you 
should not only be for extortion, but a certain higher level of extortion because you're involved in a missing person's case or, or a, you know, an, an unsolved death. And I don't think yesterday we're as clear or as champions as we normally are for Kelsey's family. I mean, I think they've done an exceptional job. And I think, you know, follow every lead, you right. know, look for every answer you can. And all, by the way, when the cops aren't doing what you think they're supposed to do, hey, you know, call them out on that too. That takes a strong family, you know, which is led by her mother, a very strong uh, woman. That's great. And that's why she was trying to get CBI to take over this investigation. Mm-hmm. That's all taking place late last year. Another thing that we see going on at the same time is that another individual gets involved in the investigation, and this is psychic detective Troy Griffin. And we've had the opportunity to discuss a few cases with him, and we wanted to play a little bit of that conversation for you today regarding Kelsey's case. Troy, you are a psychic detective, and you've been involved in the Kelsey Schelling investigation. Uh, have you met with her family? Okay, so I have. I've been working with her mother, Laura, and um, I got involved in late October of last year, I think it was. Um, and Laura was referred to me from a um, advocate through through another county. So um, that was in late October. I met with Laura for about three hours. Um, I was able to validate stuff on Kelsey. Uh, you know, people don't know. And so um, I've been with Laura a couple times. Um, the first time I went to Pueblo was in November. So maybe it was September. I don't know. October, November. And she took me to Dante Lucas's house, grandmother's house, and just gave me a tour of Pueblo and things that she thought I should see. Um, the second time I went to Pueblo, um, I actually was being interviewed by uh, ABC News Nightline, and I took them with me um, down to Pueblo uh, because Laura had a lead on a county road down there she wanted to check out. And so what I have seen in my vision, um, I know what I'm looking for. I have an idea where it's at. Uh, I have to make time to get back down there when it's not really winterish, and um, and see if I'm pick if I if I can find the spot I'm picking up. Can you share with us some of those details that are not known about the case? Well, it's pretty much in the open as far as what I've validated. You know, the answer, the short answer is no, because um, I work under confidentiality agreements, and and so pretty much Kelsey's case is pretty much out in the open. It's a matter of. Um, the police department in Pueblo mishandled evidence, you know, did a lot of things incorrectly, which is normal. There's been the politics involved. There's been the change of personnel. After four years of not letting it go, they finally have let it go. And so now it's a new set of eyes to retrace everything and see what they can find. So there's something that you're going to go look for. And I imagine after four years, we are talking about remains. Correct. So on Kelsey's case, um, I've never been to Pueblo, and there's a big reservoir down there. But what I saw in my vision is like white chalky stone and water, and I felt like there's a lot of pollen around bushes. When I described what I'm looking for and went to Google Earth, 
a place by Pueblo in Pueblo Reservoir matches what I'm looking for and the white chalky stone they call shell. Now the area that I'm looking at is um, has a name contribute to a bush that puts out a lot of pollen. That pollen was also found on our car. So the couple times I've been there, I've really gone down to support Laura, and I haven't had time to get into the reservoir because of winter to look where I want to look. When you're having these visions, are you seeing just the remains, or do you see the attack and the events as they unfold? I do see the events. So in Kelsey's case, um, I did see the events of what happened and, you know, discuss them. So I just take the notes on that. And sometimes my work is just validating what the police already know. So was this something that was planned? Was her murder planned or was this a crime of passion? Uh, to me, it was um, not really a crime of passion, but it was a actual, um, I think, an act of rage. You know, he his mom thought he was going to be a basketball star, take her out of poverty, be the hero. A girlfriend gets pregnant. Mom says take care of it. And mom is violent herself, who'd just been arrested for domestic violence from running from a warrant. You know, I think that it was him wanting Kelsey not to have the baby. And she was absolutely going to have the baby. So I think it was an act of rage. So this is not necessarily planned, but more of an act of rage, maybe some hatred that had been building over time. I believe it came from mom. Mom, you know, mom pushing him. Well, what is Dante's mother's involvement in this whole thing? We know that she picked him up from the Walmart. Is she simply involved after the fact, or was she involved in the murder as well? Sarah had a big role in this. And you think about Dante, he's he's not too highly intelligent, it's an right. act of rage. Um, you know, he's, what, 20 years old? He doesn't really know people that help him out in a situation like that. But, you know, mom does. It's interesting here, Captain, that Troy says he makes the statement that Dante's mother had a big role in this. Mm-hmm. And what I find interesting about that is if he is right... This kind of goes along with an unspoken theory that that I kind of came up with, not my own theory, but right. when I was reviewing the lawsuit. Well, that, it's something you came across. Yeah. Not something that you invented. Yeah. When, when reviewing the lawsuit that was filed against Dante's family mm-hmm. and what was her possible involvement, because what we see in this document It leads one to believe after reading it that not only do we have a situation where Dante was communicating a lot with Kelsey trying to get her down to Pueblo, Mm -hmm. but that the mother may have been emailing or texting Kelsey as well, Dante's mother. Which which is any time that you have 20-year-olds and a relationship and then the mother is getting involved on either side. That, that is a direct sign that this is not a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's even more sinister about these communications that they're talking about in this lawsuit mm-hmm. is that these communications would have been taking place before the doctor's visit, meaning that she has w- at least one, if not two members of the Dante Lucas family trying to get her to Pueblo before that doctor's appointment. And why is that important? We ask. Because that is the first confirmation, medical confirmation, that she's pregnant. I don't want to misspeak because, you know, I have no experience of this. I don't have any children myself. I'm obviously not a female that you know of. You're sterile. 
I think it's clear that Kelsey was experienced some changes, mm-hmm. and 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 I think women probably way more than men know their bodies, right. and and what's going on with them biologically. And I think she knew before she even had to take a test. And yeah. then I think at probably some point she probably did take a test. Yeah. And now, so then she's going, okay, I have all these feelings. I get this gut feeling. Uh, I, I'm experiencing some changes. You know, probably, you know, her, she was late. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then then she takes a test probably on her own. And that's when the mother starts contacting her. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like she had taken, according to Kelsey's mother, she had taken a couple of these home pregnancy tests. Right. And, you know, now she's reaching out to Dante and he's aware of the situation. Now they're aware that she's going to go to the doctor's office to get confirmation of such. I've had a lot of female friends talk to me about this same scenario where when they were younger and they had a boyfriend that they end up getting pregnant and they did a home test. And then you have to go to the doctor to get the confirmation. But in that process that the boyfriend's mother contacted them. Mm-hmm. And basically because the boyfriend's mother thought that this baby coming into their lives was going to ruin their son's life and maybe possibly hinder this girl's life mm-hmm. that they start advocating for uh, abortion. Right. And, and I think it's very clear in this situation, that's what was happening. And I think it's very clear that that was the motive. And I think you're exactly right. This is what is part of that unspoken theory that the family is presenting in this lawsuit. So let's get back into what uh, Troy has to say. Troy, do you believe that Kelsey's remains were transferred in her own vehicle? You know, I don't think they were. I think Kelsey's remains were transferred in another vehicle. But there was that pollen on her car. Again, you know, I don't solve crimes, which I make very clear. I can only tell you what I see, feel, think, and sometimes it's just the validation. So we know that there's pollen on her car. We know that the dust that was on her car matches that white shell stuff. So these are things that we do know. So in regards to the remains, you are seeing a location that involves water. So are they in water or are they around water? You know, that's a tough one. Um, uh, you know, water, yes. You know, it's it's. you hope she wasn't in water, but there's a high probability. You know, one of the things that I had discussed with Laura when I first met is that I felt like where Kelsey is is where they fish. Does this have anything to do with the situation where there was this man that came forward? He was fishing. He finds what he believes to be human remains, but he delays reporting this. Is is this a different location? Yeah. So the the thing that you're talking about, he reported, is a pond that is directly, well, they call it a lake, but um, directly across from the hospital where her car was found. Um, you know, common sense tells you that you know, you have a hospital that's very busy. It's the hospital's parking lot across the street. The kids walked around, fished around. You know, it's kind of a center of town type thing. You know, don't you think that's a little bit too close and too... <laughs> right. Really? You know, mom's not that stupid. What about the apartment that his mother was living in and, and the stain that was reported? Yeah, they were living, a, living in a low-income property. So what I read, what I've heard is that um, Sarah never paid the rent on time. In February, when Kelsey went missing, the rent started to show up on time for the next few months. The landlord got a call or the owner of the property got a call because electric was shut off. 
and went over there to find an absolutely disgusting pigsty. They pulled the carpet up in the bedroom, and there was a pool, blood pool stain underneath the carpet. And just to be clear, this is Dante's bedroom or Sarah's bedroom? Well, Dante split his time between his grandmother's house and this house, and I don't know if the boys shared a room, so it would be yeah, obviously his room. So from the visions you're seeing, she was killed in that apartment? Yes, in that house, yes. And could you tell how long between the murder and when she was disposed of? How long was she in that property? No, that that I don't know. Um, that part I don't see. Did you have any visions on whether this was strangulation or is this blunt force trauma? That could have been part of it, strangulation, blunt force, uh, possibly on the ground. You know, Kelsey fought back. So, you know, my, my, my visions are that she probably... Uh, strangulation fell to the floor fighting back he probably you know her head on the floor can you give us any more information on where her remains might be found no you know as far as the exact location you know no, i keep that to myself um, but you know i'm going to continue as long as it takes to try to locate the remains if possible you know the the sad part of cases like this is sometimes You'll never find them. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. 
It's powered by advanced algorithms. iXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. iXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with iXL. iXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending iXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. I want to thank Troy for taking the time to talk about the case with us. Uh, the thing here is, Captain, you know, some people, it's a love-hate relationship with these psychic detectives, right? The people that get involved in these investigations. Yeah, and I, I always find it interesting. And like I said, as far as categories go of true crime, I'm definitely really interested in missing person cases. And then a lot of missing person cases while you're doing your internet research, right? Mm-hmm. You'll con- you'll come across, you know, maybe it's a YouTube video or maybe it's a website that has a psychic reading about the missing person. Yeah. And the thing here is captain I'm by having this conversation doesn't mean that I 
put a whole lot of weight into it or doesn't not mean it doesn't mean that I believe in psychics. Here's mm-hmm. the thing. My opinion of investigations is that I'm happy to sit down and talk with anybody it, it, because there's no different difference between somebody having a vision or something coming to them than a gut feeling I might have on a case. Right. And I kind of like the fact that Troy goes by psychic detective mm-hmm. because he's not purely going off of just visions that he's having. He's letting those visions help him, but he's actually doing some research himself. Yeah. He's going to the locations and he's looking for certain things. The other thing I like here about his, his discussion is, you know, we were talking about the remains and he's saying that, no, I don't believe it was her vehicle used. And I bring up that, the, but what about that pollen that we were talking right, about? Right. So there's pollen that was found on her car. Right. And so a lot of law enforcement believe that because there was pollen found on her car, it's, and there was some, uh, kind of DNA that was found in her trunk that that's in the lawsuit. And they're stating the family stating that this DNA or this, remains or whatever that was in the trunk were never tested. It, it was, they found a substance that was, uh, that was thought to be dried bodily fluids. Right. So it seems like law enforcement is under the belief that because of the pollen, because of this fluid that her car was used to dump her body. Right. Right. And, and I question him on that. And that's where I like that. He comes back and he says, look, I'm, I don't claim to solve anything. Right. It's just, I have these visions these are the things I see, and I don't know what they mean. And you and Troy talked about a fisherman possibly finding some kind of human remains. Uh, can you dive into that a little more? Yeah, so this is a story that came out. And, and to be honest with you here, there's not a whole lot backing this story because right. the, the situation is this, that there was a man that was out fishing in what I called a pond, and Troy said, correct me, and said it was a lake. It's it's a rather small body of well, water. Well, no, I think what he was saying was it, it is a pond, but most people in that area call it a lake. Yeah, and so this man was out fishing, and he believes that while he was fishing, he saw what appeared to be either a rib cage or a human skull, mm-hmm. maybe both. It's a little unclear to me. The thing here is, though, that he does fail to report it right away. Right. Uh, and it's a little unclear as to how long he waited to report it. Was it 24 hours or was it a week? I cannot say. But what happened was he say stating that he is a person that has once had some gang affiliations. Okay. He's, he's had some run-ins with the law mm-hmm. and he kind of, he got scared when he saw this, he was afraid to report it because he thought they would think he was involved in whomever, you know, right, right, right. And, and and on top of that, he's probably not 100% certain as to what he exactly saw. And it was through talking with uh, people close to him that they convinced him to finally go to the police. And of course, because some time has elapsed since then, they were unable to confirm what he thought he had saw. Yeah. So it's kind of weird because it seems like maybe it's just some speculation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like I, who knows if this is factual. The other piece of speculation is this report by the landlord that there was a stain in Dante's mother's house. Yeah, so the situation is this. I, I thought, clearly you can hear from the conversation, I thought it was an apartment, but it but it's a house mm-hmm. that was uh, in question here. Uh, the, the family moved out. Dante's family moves out of this house after some period of time. And the landlord is unaware that there was a missing woman at the time, and that 
furthermore, that the missing woman had a connection to the family living at his property. And it's kind of hard to believe because in this small town, Pueblo, it seems like this was big news mm-hmm. that Kelsey's picture was all over uh, the town, that that it it didn't be, you know, it became a, a mission of theirs to kind of help figure out what happened. Right. Well, I don't think that the landlord did anything wrong here. I think it truly may have just been that he was ignorant to the situation because as, as we mm-hmm. said, Dante lived on and off. He shared time between his grandmother's house and his mother's house. He may have known Dante's mother, but didn't realize who Dante was that he's seeing on the news. Right. Um, so the situation is this after the family moves out, you know, the landlord has to do his normal cleanup. You know, you fix a few things, you clean, you paint. Sometimes you have to replace the carpeting as well. Well, this was necessary on this situation because it sounds to me like the place looked like a bunch of animals lived there. Right. And so he's in there replacing carpeting and it was underneath the carpeting. Once they pulled up the carpeting that, that a blood stain is found. And it, I believe it was found like in the padding. So, so what happens here is this landlord actually does reach out to law enforcement. He says, Hey, I rented property, right? I'm cleaning it out. I found something that was strange. I don't know what I'm seeing here. Do you want to come and take a look at it? Mm -hmm. The police said, no, it's probably nothing. He kept, he, you know, he replaces the carpet and he keeps the debris for a little bit of time. And he contacts them again and says, again, I found this stuff. I'm not going to hang on to it forever. Would you, would you like me to drive it down to you so you can take a look at it? And they said, no, you should probably just get rid of it. It's probably not a big deal. Don't worry about it. So he, he only gets rid of this, this possible evidence because the police tell him to do so. Right. And okay. So if we believe his story, Right. Mm -hmm. This is another example of law enforcement just not doing their job in this case. Yeah. Where it's just like you got this. I mean, all they had to do was just go, well, who did you, you know, who did you rent this house to? Mm -hmm. And then he goes, well, you know, I I rented to Sarah. Sarah Lucas. Right. Sarah (laughs) Lucas, Dante's mother. And they wouldn't know that it was Dante's mother, but they would just look up Sarah Lucas and go, oh, by the way, we have this missing person. And her son is a possible suspect in this. Yeah. yeah. You know, because uh, he, he had her car uh, without the, the girl and he used her debit card. And we right. had charges that we're trying to bring onto him. So you would think at this point they'd go, okay, this is something we definitely want to see. It's crazy because this is the kind of thing that you think that they would love. I mean, you're going to get yeah. handed evidence on a silver platter. You didn't even have to go to the necessity of getting a warrant to achieve this evidence. The guy offered to drive it to you. I mean, (laughs) I mean, we already know you're being lazy about this investigation. Well, I think what he should have done, right? What this, uh, what this landlord should have done is he said, not only am I going to get in my car and I'm going to drive it to you, Mm -hmm. I'm going to bag it and I'm going to process this myself (laughs) and then I'm going to pay for it. Yeah. Because the, the, the here, here, I mean, it doesn't take, it doesn't take, uh, um, any brilliant mind to put this together. Yeah. The text messages lead Kelsey to Dante. All mm-hmm. right. That puts her roughly near or in the home of Dante's mother. Then you find a blood stain that leads to evidence of fla- foul play being involved. Right. And then you have evidence. She's, she's disappeared. Right. We need to find her. And by finding her car, it points to evidence that she's not just missing, 
but the more foul play, more foul play. And you fail to, you fail to test that evidence as well. Right. You, then, then when we do have the car, the car is wiped clean, but we have a handprint. And then we also have a possible, you know, body, uh, body fluid in the trunk, more evidence of foul play. And on top of that, we have video footage of, of Dante returning the car. We have video footage of the mother and grandmother picking him up behind the Walmart after he drops off the car. Video right. footage of an unidentified man moving the car. Right. Now, this this is your case. This is your open and shut case. And not only does it get you one conviction, but probably three others as well. Well, and I'm, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here, though. Okay. Because, I mean, we're harping pretty hard on law enforcement. The problem with that, though, is it is an open case. Mm-hmm. So what are they telling us or what, the, what are they not telling us that they do know? Right. There could you know be I mean? a, even more. Right. They stuff. could, they could have more evidence, additional they, stuff. Right. And so, I mean, it's, uh, yes, I think if this guy's story is true, they dropped the ball, but at the same time, either way, if this guy's story is true, that's more evidence. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you collect it and process it? Mm-hmm. You know, is beyond me. Well, and a reminder too, that the reward money has been doubled for the month of February, 2017. Right. Um, this could spark some people to talk, to come forward. Who knows? We might get lucky on that Avenue. The thing here is though, we also have a couple of different of new theories right, involved right. in this case. We just talked about all of the movement of the vehicle, right? Well, we just kind of went on a rampage. Yeah, this vehicle's been moved around quite a bit. And one theory that has come up very recently, and this mm-hmm. is interesting here, because this might bring a whole nother suspect into this crime. And I don't mean somebody that would clear Dante or Dante's family members of wrongdoing. I mean, there might be some other person we don't even know about that was involved right, right, in this right. thing. So the, the theory goes like this. Okay. Now, remember, we have a situation where the unidentified man, he comes and he picks up the, the vehicle, Kelsey's right, right. vehicle from the Walmart. The Chevy Cruze, the black Chevy Cruze. That was dropped off by Dante mm-hmm. the day before. Well, this unidentified man, he walks from what appears to be the back of the Walmart parking lot right. to the front of the Walmart parking lot. He gets in the vehicle and he drives off. And and I find that a little suspicious just in the fact that we do know that when Dante dropped off the car or what we believe is Dante dropped off the car, where was his mother? In the behind the Walmart. Right. Right. And so and here's So if she is the mastermind, right, or not maybe the mastermind, but was somebody pushing or that she's obviously connected to this. Mm-hmm. So now that we have we have Dante, we have Dante's mom, we have Dante's possibly his grandma because she was in the car when they picked him up. Yep. And now we have this other man that drops off the car and heads to the back of the Walmart. Well, he, this man came from the back of the Walmart oh, right, to right, pick right. up sorry, the car. Sorry, my bad. So this man moves the car from the Walmart to the hospital parking lot where it's later found. Mm-hmm. Well, what they did not figure out in this videotape footage that they've had of this situation until very recently is that there's another car in that Walmart parking lot that does some strange movements. Okay. And what these movements are is this car, it's a, it's a white vehicle. And if you go to Kelsey's website, uh, that is helpfindkelsey.com, you can mm-hmm. find video footage of this there. And, yeah. I, and I recommend everybody do so. The thing here is this white vehicle, it takes almost an identical path that this unidentified mm-hmm. man takes from the back of the Walmart to the front of the Walmart where the, where Kelsey's car is positioned. Right. Then what happens is this white car parks and 
somebody gets out and looks to see if almost looks to see if Kelsey's car was moved and and had drove away. Okay. And then gets back in the car and drives off. So so the theory is the that person this, doesn't go in the store, doesn't do anything other than pull into a parking spot, sit there for a few minutes, take a look around, and then leave. Right. So, so the theory is that this guy comes from the back of the Walmart mm-hmm. from somewhere. He, we know that this is the individual that moves Kelsey's car to the hospital, mm-hmm. and so the the idea really is that, and and this is this is actually pretty genius because sometimes. You know, take the Brian Schaefer case, for example. We have surveillance footage. Anytime, and this is going to happen more and more and more with cases and technology advancing, we're going to have more and more cases that involve surveillance cameras. Oh, yeah. And sometimes it's not it's not the main subject of the video that's the most important. You know, we can't identify this guy, but we know that this is the guy that moved the car. By watching it over and over, then you realize that this other car probably had something to do with this guy. And so this car possibly is what drove the guy to Walmart in the first place. Yeah. Drops him off. He walks from the back to the front. This car follows him around. Once the car is gone, this person then drives to the hospital and picks this guy up. Yeah. Because once you drop off the car at the hospital, you got to get back home. Yeah, and this is where I think we might see a huge break in the case. This is a great theory because, i tell you why, with the FBI and CBI taking over, they will do the due diligence and try to enhance that tape. Maybe you can pull a plate number off of that that videotape. And if you get somebody in in a closed room and ask them the tough questions, they start to squirm and they might start giving people up. Well, and think about this hypothetically. And, and we've, we've had some friends that have gotten to a little bit of trouble in the past by dropping somebody off, not knowing why they're dropping them off. Ain't no friend of mine. Right. <laughs> no friend. No, but what if this guy or girl or whoever was just like, hey, I have to take my friend's car over to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you drop them off at the Walmart. They start driving the car to the hospital. You drive to the hospital. You pick them up and you take them back home. You don't put two and two together. You don't even hear the report that the missing girl's car was a, a black Chevy Cruze. You, you don't even think about it. I see what you're getting at. Yeah. And so so then when the FBI gets involved and the when it's not it's not if when they find this person and when they uh, you know interrogate this person, this person possibly wasn't involved in the crime. Right. And and, and was just helping out a friend, doing a favor. And that person is way more likely to be like, oh, no, I dropped this person off. Yeah. Yeah. And that's maybe all they know. But the person that moved the car knows a lot more. Yeah. And the thing here is uh, it's the big key to solving this case is is putting identification to that unidentified man that's moving the vehicle. Oh, man, we're getting kind of riled up in the garage today. It's getting a little hot in here. It's getting hard to control myself, Captain. Well, at (laughs) at least it's not freezing cold out anymore. Okay, so that's the new theory, but we also have this guy, the surveillance camera. This is has always been a weird thing to me, and like I said, with the missing person cases, there's always this weirdness. And so uh, in that town, people are putting out missing person flyers. Yeah, well, and, and some of these are actual signs that you like stick in the ground as well. Right, right. And the thing here is we have on videotape, you know, because they've put a lot of these signs in the Walmart parking lot and in the parking lot areas of 
these places that have been involved in the investigation, you know, right. where the car was moved to and things like that. So somebody is going around and taking the effort to remove these signs, which is makes no sense at all to anybody. Right. Um, they have video footage of this person. The person seems to be trying to conceal their identity because the, the, what little video footage I've seen, right. it appears to be somebody almost in like a jogging outfit, but their, their hood is up and they're like running, sprinting up to the sign, removing it and taking off. Mm-hmm. Um, in one of the videos, I believe that they have a vehicle that they think is involved in this situation. Now, the rumor mill seems to be that this person may not have anything to do with Kelsey's disappearance mm-hmm. or any type of foul play. He's just an asshole. Yes. Uh, yes. A major asshole. But they, <laughs> regardless, they want to, they, they're looking for this guy. And this is very cool. They got video footage on, on the news locally, and the police are actively looking for this guy. And it, for good reason. But let's bring him in and see what he does know. You know, before we just outrightly clear him, why would somebody take part in such strange behavior? Yeah, it's very strange. So either one, he's just a blatant asshole or he has something to do with this and he just, you know, is pulling these out, you know, so nobody talks about it anymore. Mm -hmm. Like it kind of one of those like, you know, if people aren't talking about this, then maybe I don't have to worry so much anymore. Mm -hmm. And so people like, you know, Dante and his mother, and and anybody that possibly is involved, that's why we're talking about it, right? You know, and if you can feel a little heat, and if our listeners can, uh, you know, put some stuff out on the internet, and this guy feels a little heat from it, if Dante feels a little heat from it, fine with me. Yeah, you know, this guy's not doing anything. His jump shot wasn't good enough to get him to the NBA, right? Right, and he, you know, he's probably not doing much with his life, and uh, I, I hope this gets back to him. And I think that it will because we we see that there's some evidence here. Right. Mm -hmm. We see there's plenty of evidence as far as I'm concerned to get somebody in a room and break them down. Yeah. I think that's the tough thing about this case is it's one of those cases. Once you start diving in, it's, it's almost a mystery on why it's not solved yet. You're exactly right. And, and here's the other thing too, captain, the family, if you review the lawsuit that they put together now, of course this was not, it was thrown out. They Mm -hmm. didn't do anything with it, but the family brought up this lawsuit. And they were going after Dante and family members of Dante's. And it within those pages, it basically pieces together a theory for everybody, the family's theory on how this whole thing went down. And we've we've talked about it a little bit, but I wanted to kind of just go through it real quick right. because it was unclear before. But the general theory is that at some point before the doctor's visit, that Dante's family starts contacting Kelsey, mm-hmm. trying to get her to come to Pueblo to visit down to Pueblo before that visit. That seems to be a very important date for them for whatever reason. When they are unable to achieve that, then all of a sudden we have this surprise. Now we have nice Dante come forward and he's got a surprise for Kelsey. Right. It's like some form of trickery. Yeah. Try to lure her down there with some kind of nice surprise. And then it's at this point that we start to see this convolute convoluted movement Mm -hmm. of Kelsey's where meet me at the Dante says, meet me at the Walmart. She goes there. She stood up for a bit of time. And then through some communication, Dante says, meet me near my grandmother's place. Right. She goes there. We don't hear from her after that. This is where we know that she disappeared. And we think something happened inside that home, inside Dante mother, mother's rented home. Mm-hmm. And then from there, 
we have a situation where now we have to dispose of the remains. And this is where we have that weird cell phone activity where they, they've collected data and the information that will show that Dante's cell phone and Kelsey's cell phone were located in close proximity to one another in a remote location. Mm-hmm. It, it, and there's no reason for that phone call. It's exactly what I think the family believes that somebody was looking for that phone in the dark. And a big question to us on social media in the last day or so was, did they search that area where those, yeah. those phone calls were made? Uh, I don't know that answer. I don't believe so. I can't say for certain. Um, what I can say is that Troy told us that he went there to look on a, in a certain location that Kelsey's mother wanted to check out. That right. was off of some kind of county road out there. Maybe Kelsey's mother is aware of where this these phones were thought to have been located at the time, and that might have been the area they were checking. I can't say for certain. Yeah, and you brought up something interesting because – there has been some, you know, law enforcement saying, Hey, we don't want you guys doing your own searches. Right. Right. And which I think is a hindrance. I mean, I think as far, if I was law enforcement, it'd be really hard to tell a mother or a family looking for a missing person to stop looking, mm-hmm. you know, don't look, we, we got this. Don't look on your own. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, you should be offering, Hey, let's set up a time. Let's set up a, you know, we can put some of our people together with some of your people and check out that area. And like you were saying, I think this lawsuit is really telling of who the family thinks is involved in the disappearance of their daughter. Yeah. It names Dante and Dante's mother, Dante's grandmother, and certain family members of his. And as we've seen from the video footage, we know that more than one person is involved in this somehow. It, it, the, the problem here is figuring out who is the nucleus of this whole thing. Is it Dante? Is it the mother? You know, it's, it's, it's hard to say. And hopefully if anybody out there knows anything, hopefully they will come forward. And if you have any information, you want to contact people at helpfindkelsey.com. Yeah. And one thing that I found on the website that I thought was uh, something that we should re- repeat here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's something that's written as if it's in Kelsey's own, own words. And it goes like this. It says, I am Kelsey Schelling. You know, the person who caused me to disappear. Mm-hmm. You may know his family. You may know his friends. You may know where he hangs out. You may know whom he confides in. You may know where he would go if he were in trouble. You may know where he would take me. Your conscience may be bothering you. You may know where I am. It's time to talk. It's time to help my family. It's time for me to go home. My family does not care who you are. You may be afraid. That's not an excuse. You can call anonymously. Call now. Please call one 855 kelsey or visit helpfindkelsey.com. Do the right thing. It always baffles me in some of these cases where there is somebody out there with information and they just don't come forward because they don't want to be labeled as a snitch or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, before we wrap this up here, captain, I want to throw this out there. All right. This is a little reminder to everybody out there. This case will be solved and it may be solved soon. And why CBI has taken this case over. There's the new theory, which is a good one too. And it potentially brings a whole other person or maybe persons into the fold. And so far, there are a lot of low-down people in this fold. And that's one thing I want to address right now. This case will be solved. 
arrests and convictions are going to happen, and I'm guessing they will happen soon. So I want to address Dante and some of his family because I wouldn't be surprised if one of them might listen to this episode. So here you go, Lucas family, and persons that helped Dante, listen carefully. Turn yourself in, do it. Turn yourself in before one of the other lowdowns you conspired with turns you in. You can help yourself. You can help her family at the same time. Do it because you know better than anyone that's out there. You do not want to be second to the confession party. And like always, our thoughts and prayers go out to Kelsey's family and friends and anybody that was affected by this case. And and if you have any information, please reach out to them at helpfindkelsey.com. You can also call CBI and their number is 719-647-5999. And if you want to remain anonymous, they have the Pueblo Crime Stoppers that you can call at 719-542-STOP. All right, let's get back to some more beer drinking, right? Uh, and this week's recommendation on the reading is... Do you mind if I read a email real quick here, Captain? We, we had a funny situation, okay? Last night we did our show... And I get home and I check the email and we received one from a a guy named Aaron and he's contacting us from Illinois stating that his father was a detective and his mother was a nurse. So needless to say, the dinner conversations were always interesting. Um, But he recommended a case to us where a, um, his father had worked on this case Mm -hmm. where a man named Gary Gauger, and I hope I said that name right, was sentenced to death for the murder of his elderly parents. Um, and his father was involved in this case and has always stuck with him. Now, Gary ended up being, uh, over the guilty conviction overturned because what happened was we had a situation where some outlaw bikers were, they figured out that they had actually committed the murders. Right. And so I was able to reply to him stating that the funny thing here is that Aaron, the book that we just recommended yesterday talks about that exact case. Right. And that book is called, you gotta be dirty. That's right. You gotta be dirty by Michael Grogan. And it's, uh, about the outlaws motorcycle club in and around Wisconsin. You can pick that up by going to our website, truecrimegarage.com. Click on the recommended page and check out the books and movies that we've recommended there. Yeah. It's a great way to help out the show. You just go to our website. That's truecrimegarage.com. You click on the Amazon banner. You can either buy a book or you can buy anything really. I mean, you know, with all this sadness that we talk about, I like to comfort myself by buying guitars. Like I have a serious problem with it, but I like to do so by going through our banner and they give us a little kickback and it's no extra cost to you. And until then, everybody be good, be kind and don't let it. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.